Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight we have a pastor that you have heard a lot about on on the news, and it's Pastor Saeed Abedini. Is that how you say your last name? That's true. And he is the one that was put in prison over in Iran and was there for three and a half years, and I know a lot of Christians were praying for him and, and praying that he would be released. And I want you to hear his story from him. And uh, and we have some questions for him tonight, but uh, uh, also Julie's on the line. How are you doing, Julie? Hello. Wonderful. So, Pastor, if you're ready to start sharing your testimony or wherever you want to go with this, go ahead. Okay. First greeting, and I uh, thank everyone who prayed for me, and now they hear my voice. I'm so thankful for all these prayers. You guys don't know how much your prayers changed my situation over there in Iran, and I'm so thankful and blessed by that. And, uh, you know, as uh, last three and a half years that so many people that they prayed was such as encouraging for me. And it was like I've been arrested more than 10 times, you know, and interrogated in the court for so many times for my faith. And uh, so uh, as I've been asking, you know, just how God really prepared me to stand up you know, affirm on my faith and, you know, declare my faith and, you know, especially evangelism in the uh, prison with the other prisoners, with the guards. The only thing that I can say is just that God's grace, you know. And I believe any situation, any persecution, any uh, things that God let us go through it, which is hard and full of suffering, always the grace of God come in the middle and he is with you there so when you know that he is with you and he encourage you he could give you power so that's amazing and you can do it you know with him and because he's there so it's such a joy in the middle of your suffering and you know persecution when you see that your lord and savior He's there, and he's helping you, and by his grace, he gives you this, uh, you know, courage that you can uh, proclaim his almighty name. Amen. Um, Well, you know, Julie had some stuff she really wanted to ask. See, the thing is, is uh, America is not the same. I grew up here and we've seen avid changes in the church and the church even talks about um, if we indeed will have Muslim persecution here and therefore if that's the fact we're we've never grown up in an environment where uh, you were not allowed to to preach or teach Christianity and if things begin to change and we face this persecution how can we even now in 
uh, as most Christians will say, things are changing, how would we now prepare ourselves? Uh, you know, I, I believe the first thing is pray and reading Bible, you know. These two are so amazing and important and can help us in stand up in any uh, circumstances and situation. And I believe when persecution comes, the same time the grace of God comes in the middle. So sometimes we, I heard from some people that they told me they imagined themselves instead of me in prison and they told me, we, don't, we know we can't do it, we can't handle it, we don't know how we react. And I always told them, if God gives you that grace, that uh, if he asks you to suffer for his name and for his sake, he's going to give you the same grace that he gave, me, gave it to me, to you know, Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, in the same time. And then you see that power inside of you, like a dynamite, you know, just make you powerful and you can stand up, you know, firm on your uh, faith and beliefs. But we need to be prepared by praying and reading the Bible. Simple. You know, it's not something, uh, you know, it's kind of like hard. Everyone can do it. Every, everyone needs to pray every day and read the Bible every day. So we, we do this routine every day and, you know, uh, when this situation change when you know we go to the new level of uh, uh, spiritual life then we have a good basis that we can stand up on it and then we can see easily that Holy Spirit comes and you know change the circumstances and change something in us and he's gonna work through us and then he's gonna be glorified he's the same God America has changed probably as you said but our God never changed, right? And Amen. Uh, so the same spirit that worked in a sinners as like Peter and Paul and other apostles years ago, the same spirit is working today in the modern day. You know, the same spirit was with me in a prison and he's going to be here in, the, in our country. So, and uh, I, I'm very positive if, Persecution comes, this is not a bad thing. Persecution is a gift from God. You know, yesterday I was reading some posts on my Facebook, and I saw, you know, some of the Christians in the Middle East, they asked for churches in the Western world, don't pray persecution be stopped. And I was like, wow, what a strong word when, from the people that they are under persecution. You know, we heard these our photos and you know, videos of the Christian who had been beheaded and, you know, be killed with the ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and Iran government, and Shias, and Sunnis, everywhere. But these kind of Christians, which are under all this persecution, ask the Western you know, world and Western ch- churches, don't uh, pray that the persecution be stopped. So, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because they believe this is a gift from God. And God, you know, kind of count them worthy to give them this persecution. You know, I always said that if you love your daughter and you want to kiss her, you know, and then you, you feel like a heat strong love in your heart, then you kiss her harder. And you maybe sometimes you hug her. Then I said, oh, daddy, it's hurt. You know, 
all of us, we did it, right? Or we saw some that they did it with their daughters. And I believe our God as a father, as a heavenly father, sometimes acts with us like that. When he sees that he really loves us, he a little bit puts pressure on our life, which is like that hard kiss or hard high, to show his love to us. And the people that they go under this circumstances and suffering by God's grace and revelation, they're going to understand what's going on. You know, by, you know, normal uh, thinking and mindset, we can't understand it. But when God counts people worthy to be suffer for his name and his kingdom, he's going to give a revelation of his grace and how uh, his kingdom works, how God shows his love to people. And then they they're going to like it. You know, I never saw any uh, mature Christian that they got persecution, which they hated. They always count it as a call, new calling and new blessing and new gift from God who, you know, by his grace, count them worthy to receive it. And, you know, so happily, with joy, they like to walk in the, you know, way of persecution so if god has a plan uh for the christian in america or western world that they should experience new kind of like persecution i believe his grace gonna be there and uh because we all have been saved by the grace of god it's not by our work it's not by religion it's not by how strong is our faith or beliefs it's by his grace you know, with a, just a simple faith about what God did on the cross 2,000 years ago. He were, you know, body and he became a flesh, come on the earth, went on the cross, paid the punishment of death on the cross, shed his blood for us. And when we, today we believe on him on the cross and we just keep our eyes on him, we're going to be saved with a simple faith and simple beliefs. So when we saved with the by grace, why we should be worried from the, you know, persecution or situation or any changes in country or, in a, uh, you know, anywhere, because it's all by grace and God's love always watch, you know, over us and take care of us if we just follow him as our pastor, as a, you know, shepherd, as a, a Lord and Savior. So uh, I think this two simple thing is very important for the Christian to pray every day and read their Bible. Sometimes it seems very basic, but this is very strong, and I believe these two can be like a strong tools that help us to go to any circumstances, which we see like some Christian in Middle East, like in Syria, or when ISIS, you know, they want to kill them, and they say to them, if you just deny with a simple deny, and we're going to, you know, let you leave, but they never do that. They are not pastors, they are not very mature Christians, they are not, you know, ministers or missionaries. They are just a simple, simple Christian. But they learn, I believe, to pray and just speak to God, cling to God in any situation. And when, you know, the storm comes and gets harder and harder, they can make it and God's going to be glorified in their life. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, that lesson is what I heard was his grace is sufficient. Don't fear. He'll give you what you need at that time. 
Yes. And in the meantime, keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is fellowship, read your Bible, and pray. Yes. Makes sense. By the way, I uh, I didn't get to ask you, but um, if you take a moment, how were you saved in the first place? I don't know. Okay, good question. You know, I said I answered this question thousand, thousand times, but every time people ask me this question, still I want to, you know, but with so much excitement to explain what happened. You know, I was part of Hezbollah group when I was just 14 years old and I want to attack Israel. And when I became 20 years old, I was a very strong Muslim. And my mom, he, she is a, you know, relative to the Prophet Muhammad, Muslim, uh, you know, Prophet. So wow. I grew up a very, you know, as a very strong Muslim. And the first time the preacher from Sons of God in Iran told me that Jesus is Lord. And I was like, no, Jesus is not Lord. He is a prophet. So huge though as he came up in me when he said Jesus is Lord and I saw like I told myself he's deceiving all the people. You know, my mom, my uncle has been martyred for Islam, so I said I don't let you to preach this, you know, cult and uh, wrong things to people to the you know, Iran Republic, Islamic Iran, so we are a Muslim country. So I said I made the decision to kill him before I kill myself. And then it was just like, very, you know, it has a long story. I'm writing a book about my testimony and going to be published 2017. But anyway, I had a, you know, very little life. But to be honest with you, I never had an eternal peace in my heart. And so the night that I made the decision to kill that pastor who told me Jesus is Lord and Savior, I just went to my room and knee down and start praying like a simple pray, not like namaz that the Muslim do, just like a normal pray. And I was like, God, show me which one is true. I got Quran in one hand and Bible in the other hand and knee down and start crying and just begging God, God, just show me what is true. And I was so tired, I slept. You know, it was like two in the midnight. A voice woke me up and called my name like that. Said, 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 I'm coming back soon, coming back soon. Go to preach my gospel, my gospel, my gospel. And I woke up, I was like, what was that voice I heard? I was like, wow. And I said, okay, that was a dream. People see dreams. So maybe that was just like a dream. I slept. And two hours after that, again, voice woke me up and called my name. And said, 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 I'm coming back soon, coming back to go to preach my gospel. I woke up, I said, okay, I had a depression, I want to kill myself, and depression turns to schizophrenia. I got psychotic, you know, so psychological problems, so I need to go to the psychologic doctor the day after. So I made a decision, and then, with the, you know, I was sure, I said, okay, everything is going to be okay, and then I slept. The third time, I heard a huge voice shaking my room. I woke up, I thought it was like a bomb shaking the room or something like that. It was a huge voice. And I woke up in a second, my whole t-shirt got wet. And I was shaking, and I saw a huge light in the room. And I couldn't look it inside the light because it was too, you know, so shining. And as the first time in my life, I felt the strong and heavy presence of Lord on my life. 
that I never ever experienced it before like that. And I was like, I couldn't look outside the light and I was so scared. And it again, voice told me, Said, I'm coming back soon, go to preach my gospel. And then I just, I couldn't handle it because I just want him to go, said amen. And when I said amen, I could look inside the light and I saw Jesus. Which he went into, uh, you know, on the mountain, which is in front of my uh, room window, which every prison that I became prisoner for Christ was under that mountain, you know. And so I fell down like a dead person on my bed and went to sleep. And, and the day after that, I was completely someone else. I saw I don't hate Israel anymore. I don't hate Christians. I don't hate that pastor, and I started going to that church, and that pastor heard my story, and I told him what happened, and he baptized me, and then uh, I became actually a youth pastor in Sims of Gutter, and uh, then I started underground churches, which became one of the largest churches in Iran Christianity history, I started 100 underground churches in 30 cities all over and then my conflict with Iranian intelligence police has been started because increasing the church you know was like everywhere they were increasing so fast and I've been witness to see that God with the wonders and science you know he just was continue what he was doing in my ministry so many people got healed and uh, you know so many people got saved and so it was amazing and then my conflict with the Iranian government uh, you know, became more and more. I've been arrested so many times, so I escaped from Iran to Dubai and then Turkey and then to United States 10 years ago. Hmm. Hey, would you tell us a little bit about when they put you in solitary confinement, I heard you mention that, you know, after about five days, you already started forgetting you know, what uh, your wife looked like and what your kids and stuff like that. Uh, what, they weren't putting any kind of drugs or anything in the water or, or in your food or anything, were they? I think, you know, the other prisoners, they said they did because we always got a stomach problem and, uh, you know, we have kind of like dizziness. But I don't know what happened the first week in a solitary when I was trying to remember my children and my wife's face and their voice, any memories, it was nothing in my, you know, memory, nothing. And actually that scared me a lot. It was like, what happened? It's just one week in solitary. And, you know, because I've been arrested so many times, I was like, if I go to solitary for two years, it's a blessed place that I can just pray and read my Bible in isolation, be with God. But it was very interesting that then, you know, that at the time that they just shut the door behind me, I was like, what, what, what happened? Why I can't, you know, why just, it's so hard here, you know? It was, it's a really, you know, it's a really torture being in a solitary confinement. I think no one can explain it and no one can understand it just the people that experience it. So, and uh, yeah, for the first week, it was kind of like that, and then scared me. I was like, wow. They told me, actually, we're going to keep you for three years in solitary. We don't let you to go to the public prison because we know that you're going to start evangelism and you want to make everyone Christian. So we know, you know, what you want to do. So, so that was the thing that they told me, you know, and the first six months, actually, 
told me, we're going to keep you for three, four years in solitary confinement, and then we're going to put the, you know, execution for you, punishment of death, and then. So that was the thing actually happened. Other prisoners, they always said they put something in the food that the things that I saw, you know, because after the guards, you know, beat me, I had a stomach bleeding, and it couldn't get healed for months, and I, you know, I had, you know, a stomach bleeding and stomach pain and you know the things that they said you know they put in a you know food things just sometimes but I don't know I never felt it but other prisoners they said sometimes they do that yeah because you know that would make more sense because so quickly like that for you forget stuff it's it's almost like they had to put something you know yes I don't know I never think about it actually before this is the first time someone telling me about that maybe I don't know they do everything they want to the prisoners you know there is a uh, there is some evidence and news that they rape people in prison they torture them to death you know I saw people that they they've been in solitary confinement for years and you know they beat Every night they beat people, like just behind the door of my solitary confinement. They brought all the prisoners there, and they start beating them for like 30 minutes, and they were just yelling, and they broke, you know, their hands, legs, and they did it just behind the door of my solitary confinement that I can hear it. That was the way of torturing. And then when they were finished, or before that, they they put like a speaker that said, Allah, but pretty loud, that, you know, just make me, you know, to make me angry or, you know, kind of like show that's why I'm, I'm there. So they do whatever they want to do with the prisoners because there is no watch. They don't let anyone to go and see what they are doing there. They don't let UN, any countries. So they have the power. They do whatever they want to do. Close to the time that you were being released, out of curiosity, how was the Lord preparing you? Was he speaking to you and telling you you would be released? Or just the, the time that was coming close, what were you hearing from him? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, even the time that they told me that we're going to execute you and, you know, we're going to kill you, when I prayed strongly, Holy Spirit put in my heart, no, I have worked with you. You should be testify about me and be witness for me. They never can touch you. They never can kill you. So I knew that. Then they just told me I smile at them. And sometimes I told them, you know, you can't do that. I know God is with me. You can't do that. But Amen. to be honest with you, I thought the whole process is going to be shorter and easier. But it wasn't. You know, I thought it was going to be like one and a half year. And it's going to be easier. But it was like almost four years. And it was really hard. They, they had a plan for me every day to torture me with the guards, with the other prisoners, even, you know, political prisoners there. So every day I had kind of like drama, some problem in prison, which the other normal prisoners, even political prisoners, and even uh, religious prisoners, they, they didn't deal with these problems. And I knew that intelligent police of Iran you know make them uh but and i knew you know because iran media covered about our story and five plus one negotiation between iran and united states and you know we have access to the iran government newspaper so we know that i heard that 
President Obama met my family, and then Pope got involved, and then, uh, you know, agreement is happening in a negotiation. So we know that it's getting very close. And, uh, but because of the up and down of the whole process last year, I was like, I wasn't sure how long does it take. So when the time came, it was a surprise. I wasn't, I, I was like, I always put in my mind, like maybe next six months. Because it's really hard for you if you just prepare your mind for next week or like tomorrow. And, you know, that was actually one of the torture they did, you know, to me. It was like they told me that sometimes that you're going to be free very soon and asked my parents for bail. And then, then they told me you're going to be free tonight. But then, they ne- you know, they never let me go. So, so uh, you need to protect your mind about all this. Um, you know, uh, false uh, reports and, you know, kind of. So uh, it was a surprise. You know, they woke me up in the morning and then they told me, you need you to come to speak with some of our officers. When I went upstairs, they kind of like took me from Rajaisha prison to Everton prison, which was the first prison that I was there. And then I found it out the day after that you know, uh, that I got, I'm going to be free. Um, so let me ask you, are you taking any speaking engagements now where you're, I didn't know yes, if you had I got. Do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I just came back from Paris. I think it was a historical, you know, time that we had in Paris. I think it was the first time that 120,000 Muslims from Italy, which they gathered there in a, you know, Air Force Stadium in Paris, they asked American pastor to come preach for them. I don't think, I don't think that in you know from hundred thousand you know Muslim in the history of the Middle East they gather in one place and ask another pastor to come to preach for them. You know I just came from Paris a month ago. You know just and you know traveling to the country. I, um, so I'm trying to use my testimony to help the you know churches in the United States to get back to revival and sacrifice something for God, which it's, it's a, you know, great thing to make you awake spiritually. And, uh, so yes, I do. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that, uh, I'll get information from you and link it to, so that way if somebody wants to contact you to come and, and speak, you know, they'll be able to get a hold of you. Yes. There, you know, my site is pastor, SaidMinistry.com. If you go there, there is a link from Premier Speakers Brow, which they do my speaking engagement. They can go there and ask, you know, ask for uh, my speaking, and then they coordinate everything very well. So, I would love to help churches uh, by using my testimony, and uh, you know, that's a goal of Said Ministry to uh, awaken Christians, standing with Israel, and reaching Muslims. So. And by using my testimony and what God put in my heart, I'm trying to preach the gospel and help the you know churches in the United States to go back to God and help the United States get back to God and revival. So now, what can we pray for you now? You know where you're at. I, I heard you say on an interview that uh, it's been even worse now that you've got out. So. Yes, hard. You know, life has been harder to me since last eight months that I got released and uh, 
So because I see Satan doesn't want me to preach the gospel everywhere I go. It doesn't matter when I go to Middle East, Iran, or when I come back to United States and Christian churches. So he hates me. You know, he doesn't want me to preach the gospel because that's the first calling that I just received it face to face from Jesus Christ when I was a strong Muslim and I turned to Christ, which I said as my testimony. And, you know, the other thing is actually I'm going to the, you know, probably you heard about all these marital issues and marriage problems. So my marriage at this point is not in a very good situation. So I ask people to pray for that and especially for my children and uh, that God, as he used me in uh, prison, which might change, change the churches to pray together he still used me when I'm free. And I, to be honest with you, at this point, I don't see it. He's using me like when, like the time that I was in prison. And this is painful. You know, I heard my last letter, uh, I heard that has been read with 600 million across the world. And so it can be a, you know, big revival, big momentum for God's kingdom if it's continuing. So I know that Satan is not happy about this unity of churches and all these prayers that, you know, went to God. So he's going to do something, right? We know that he's going to do something to stop it. But the good news is our Lord and Savior has been resurrected. And so I, I believe as we start praying, we need to continue and we're going to see uh, bigger changes and, you know, victory for the Christian world and even in my personal life. Well, I was going to have, I don't know if you, uh, Evangelist Marsha Kendall was going to pray with you tonight. Um, I don't know if you remember back in 82, but she, when they beheaded the missionaries in the Philippines, uh, the Muslims came into, they had a, a small Bible college there and they beheaded her. She's the one that went and ended up taking their place and finishing the teaching the you know the the end you know till the their school was done basically. But uh, uh, I, I will still pass your information on to her because I still feel like she's supposed to pray with you. Mm-hmm. But uh, but if you wouldn't mind, how about you pray over the audience? Um, and, you know, I, I've heard exactly what you're saying about, you know, the, them saying, hey, don't don't pray for our persecution to stop. But on, on the other hand, the, you know, the church in China, they've been praying for persecution to come to America because that's the only way America is truly going to, you know, turn around and come back to God. I, I I don't agree that the only way that God used churches to go back to God is persecution. I'm not going to agree with that. Because God has different, you know, variety of working to helping his church to go back to him. Sometimes with more love, sometimes maybe with like a uh, soft love, sometimes with like hard life, love, like persecution. So we can say that, you know, kind of like we know God wants wants to do, and this is the only way. But when we look at the history, especially that, you know, 
apostle time and the churches, persecution always has been very good tools for God to help the churches get awake and do something for God. Especially when they're escaping from Jerusalem, they went everywhere because they were escaping from, you know, persecution. But everywhere they went, you know, they talk about Jesus. They talk about their hope. They talk about their salvation and their uh, born-again lives. So, so many people got saved. So sometimes, you know, the main things that God always used maybe can be persecution. But I, I, I don't think that anyone can just say that I know completely what God wants to do. So, no, sometimes with just like a small, you know, uh, nourishing and cherishing, churches get back to God again. And we, we, we experience it in our personal life so many times when God kind of like, when we are just not kind of like disappointed or, you know, angry of God or something like that. We saw that God came and we, by nourishing and cherishing, he helped us to go back to him, right? Like a father and son relationship. It's not always that that you should do these things and then something's happening, you know, some do some obedience. But sometimes by just like soft love and nourishing and cherishing, churches can go back to God again. And he, he knows that. But uh, persecution is a good way actually for, you know, helping the churches get back to God and stay revived and awake. Well, if we could skip the persecution, that'd be great. But <laughs> you know, yes, unfortunately, it, it does come, and and uh, you know sometimes yeah. that's what it takes for an awakening to have. Because uh, unfortunately, you know, we, we have kind of turned our backs on God in America. That's right. But, you know, for this process, I always give a, give an example. I said church in America, maybe it's like sleeping on a person that is sleeping. How do you, you know, wake up a person is sleeping? Like maybe if, like, Said is sleeping, someone wants to wake me up, Said says first, call my name, Said, Said, and then kind of like maybe touch my shoulder and it's Said, it's time to wake up. And then when I'm not waking up, he's going to shake me and then she's going to, he's going to like, you know, shouting at me, Said, wake up. So, so it depends how much we really are, you know, sleeping deeply. So God always starts with the soft love, you know, calling around, but nourishing and cherishing, calling in and just like shaking the shoulder, wake up. I just, it's the time to work. It's the time to evangelize. I'm coming back soon. Go to preach my gospel, as you told me. And when we just like are sleeping so deep and heavy, so that's going to be the time that he's going to take us and maybe persecution in, in the middle of that shaking, you know. Okay, well, Saeed, if you would not uh, mind praying over us, you know, over the audience. and uh... okay. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we ask that you touch our heart, you touch our mind, and we ask and we just got begging you that you use us for your revival 
and you make us a way for the time for working and for preaching the gospel, proclaiming your truth, Lord. And just we ask that you bring, you bring the spirit of repentance in America, in churches, Lord, in our lives, in our families, in our, you know, children's lives, parents' lives, our friends' lives, and just, Lord, we are so busy sometimes with so many toys and just fun and sometimes, you know, with sin. Just I ask that you touch us and you shake us, Lord, and make us a way to stand up for you and do the real work, which is the preaching the gospel and be and praying for salvation of the nation. You, God, ask us, and you created us for an amazing plan, Lord. I we pray that in Jesus' name that help us and lead us and use us for freeing people from Satan bandages. And if there is some sin in our life, you just like, God, we bring it under your cross and we ask for your forgiveness. And I ask in Jesus' name that you make us free, that we can make others free by the name of your, you know, your uh, mighty name in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for coming Amen. on. Go ahead, Julie. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me in your show. And thank I you. definitely thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, you know, put your information how how to get a hold of you or, you know, whatever. You can you can text me what you want to put on the show, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on. And I know there's a lot of people out there that, that really want to hear, you know, what went on with you. And, and uh, uh, it, it's also great to see all these people that pulled together praying for you and to see you released. Thank you so yeah. much and God bless you. I'm going uh, to send you that link for information to, for my speaking, uh, speaking engagement also. So. Thank you. And yeah. I just Thank want to say, uh, I just want to speak the word over you, restoration. Okay. And I want to thank God that he go before you. Amen. And heal all situations that you need healing in for you and your whole family, that they be blessed of the Lord, that he make his face to shine upon you and your family, be gracious and merciful and kind to you, and that uh, he'll take care of the situation for you, just the way he knows how to so perfectly. We bless you and we thank you. Thank you, Pastor Saeed. Amen. I accept that. Thank you so much and God bless have a you. Good, have a good evening. Blessing. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we want to just thank Pastor Saeed for coming on. We really appreciate him taking his time. Uh, we here at Real Cuff do believe that these were two foundational attributes that every Christian and believer should definitely implement into their lives, that they're that important. Especially, uh, don't be simple-minded. Don't just stick your head in the ground and think that life is just continuously always going to be the same. And we want to say here, please prepare. Please prepare physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. Be whole in every, every area of your life and stick close to Jesus. Yeah, and, and whether persecution does come to America, you've got to be ready. 
You know, you can't just say, oh, that'll never happen here because we're watching the rest of the world and it's happening everywhere. So that's, that's it for today's show. Yes, and thank so. you for listening.